0: What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast.
1: Eagles.
0: Here to take you on the road to victory, it's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Co-host Connor Miles here with the one and only Ed Cross of Sports Illustrated. Ed, there's a lot to go on this last couple of weeks. I mean, it's been like nine days since we recorded. and uh That long? Wow. Yeah, it's been nine days since we finally recorded, and I mean – you and I have a lot going on. B- busy time of the year, and a lot of Eagle stuff has gone on since we had last recorded. So we got to go in and give our thoughts on that because who does not want our thoughts? Yeah, but What's what about- happened though? I can't. What happened in those night? I can't think of a whole lot. Um, um yeah, you know, Nick like Sirianni just making his whole entire Eagle staff Carson. Oh yeah, is- yeah, right, right. That's
2: right. Okay, I'm. Um, I got.
0: I have to ask you, man to man, podcast listeners audience to the uh, the podcaster you sit in that zoom meeting with Nick Sirianni and I know a lot of people are defending him and uh, he's getting killed on social media for the stuttering and all that stuff and we're all defending him and stuff like that but you were in there real time like when this is really happening we all sat back and reviewed it on Twitter and uh, Facebook and dove into that stuff then but you're sitting there real time I'm I, as I'm watching the press conference real time. The first thought in my head is, wow, they did not prepare this guy at all. Like, he was just he, i understand that he wrote up a speech, he was rocking, ready to go, but I feel like the PR let him down. Uh, what did you think when you're listening to him speak? Cause again, I'm not holding this first press conference against him like some people are. This is not an indication of what he's going to be as a head coach at all. Uh, again, I thought he was saying some smart stuff. I just think. The nerves set in, and not only that, I, I feel like he was just sitting there thinking, "This is the first ever press conference I've done. I'm in Philadelphia. I'm in front of a bunch of virtual faces in front of me right now." Like some of us aren't the best public speakers. I get it, so I'm not holding anything against him from this presser. But as a as a beat writer, because I do have a sense of how you look at these things and how you view these things and how you're sitting there and taking notes and about to write the article, you're thinking of. I mean, you got to be sitting there thinking, like, wow, they threw this guy to the wolves.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and you knew that um, it was a weird setup, right? I mean, he's standing there in the auditorium with the Eagles backdrop with a big screen in front of him and a camera. And he's probably looking at a sea of faces that he's never, ever seen before in his entire life. Uh, and that being a strange situation, he's not face to face. He's not sitting there with the reporters in front of him. Um, yeah, I can understand some nerves for sure. Um, and that's what it was. I think, I think he was just nervous. Uh, you know, I thought he went a little overboard with his opening comments, you know, had written it down, had like five things he wanted to say, Talked for about six minutes before he took questions. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie did him any favors. Uh, with his 18-minute introduction, um, kind of sapped some of the momentum, made him sit there and think about when he, what he wanted to say. I mean, I, I just think that was put him in a bad situation too. But you know, you can make all all the excuses you want, and you hope that he does figure out and get more comfortable once he gets to know the media. He probably has heard a lot of things about the media too, so that was made him a little nervous. Um, but you you hope that when he gets in front of a a locker room full of 60 people or whatever, a conference room with 60 players on, you know, in it, that he's a little bit more convincing, a little stronger, uh, you know, no, you know, saying the same phrases over and over again. You hope that he's better in that situation. And, and, you know, I have a friend that's a a news director uh, up in the Buffalo area, Uh, On television, and he's from, he grew up an Eagles fan in New Jersey, and he reached out immediately and he said, Listen, he goes, he's seen a lot of different coaches come through Buffalo. He he said, Rex Ryan came in and Rex Ryan won the day, and Mike Malarkey came and said all the right things. Chan Gailey was terrific. He goes, But Sean McDermott, his first press conference, he was very nervous. He stumbled over a lot of his words. He stuttered a little bit. He didn't look comfortable at all. And you're thinking, you know, how is Sean McDermott going to do? And that was his first head coaching job. I think he was 42 when you- Buffalo hired him. Uh, so he made a good comparison. So you really can't judge what kind of coach uh, Nick Suriani will be based on that opening press conference. Um, you just hope that he gets better, number one, maybe actually number two. Number one, you hope he's better inside the conference room when he's got 60 players staring up at him and he's trying to instill his culture, his offense, his defense, whatever it is. Uh, you hope that he has a better delivery uh, in that setting, um, but I I wouldn't get too worked up about it right now. I mean, first intro press conference again. Lori spoke way too long. Oh, really? Kinda, I think that really kind of sabotaged his coach because you're sitting there watching him speak, and you know you're thinking, what am I going to say? And if you're nervous already, you're getting more nervous, waiting and waiting for uh, your owner, your boss, to finish up with what he's saying. So. Right too much.
0: The owner left you out to dry with that quarterback question.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, right. And that's another thing is he was taking questions that really, you know, we should have been focusing on. He he talked about an injury he had at Mount Union and how that kind of led him to feel like, you know, he can relate to some players who are going through some different injuries you know that would have been nice to kind of dive into that it would have been nice to dive into some of his history but really all anybody wanted to know about was Carson Wentz and you know sure one or two questions but that's they're really questions that your general manager should be asking absolutely I head coach on the first time he's meeting with reporters so not to have Howie in this situation I know he wasn't with Doug um, but that was a whole different scenario. It was five years ago. In this special okay. circumstance, you had to have your GM, or at least make him available before the head coach comes on. You know, we had to wait five to seven days before Sirianni even talked to us. Why not have Howie come out and meet to meet with us the day before and answer these questions, so we can focus on more of the background and what Nick Sirianni is going to bring, his offensive philosophy, which he was asked about. But there, there are so many different ways. We could have gone with our questions, but everybody wanted to go whence, and I get it.
0: Right, and this has been sitting with me the last couple of days because you texted me right before the presser saying, yeah, how he's not going to speak, and I'm like, that's bull. I mean, because though here's the reason why. I know everybody's like, he didn't speak before Doug's, and you and I have both acknowledged that, but different circumstances. You gave an end-of-the-year address press conference with Doug Peterson. You gave us an impression. The impression was, these are the two that are going to fix this. That has changed. You need to answer for why that has changed. You need to give us an insight of why that has changed. Explain yourself.
2: Yeah. Explain. That's it's why, that's really why I texted you. I texted because I was surprised and I kind of wanted to vent. I'm like, I can't believe Because I kind of, may, maybe it was wrong on my part to assume that Howie was going to be a part of this just because of this Carson situation. Like, where do we stand? What's going on? Um you know, because when Howie last spoke to us, he talked about how it was still too raw. It was the day after the season. You know, exactly. It, it was there was a lot of hot air, right? So now here we are, two weeks later, and we still haven't heard from you. And, and that's why I texted him because I was surprised. I'm like, who who can I tell that would actually care that Howie's not <laughs> speaking? I can't tell my wife; she doesn't. You know, she doesn't really care. Right. But uh, I was surprised. I you know I thought for sure they would make Howie. Uh, at least available, and we could talk to him as well. But that wasn't the case, and that was a mistake.
0: I think it was a huge mistake. You can't leave so much stuff in the air and so cloudy when there's so much change going on with this team. I have never felt this disconnected with the Philadelphia Eagles than I am now. Yeah, There's just too much stuff up in the air, Carson Wentz's future. Why, Doug Peters? Because, I mean, yes, you can report this. There could be anonymous sources, reports, all this stuff of why this stuff went down with Doug Peterson. Own it. Own it. I don't feel like it's being owned. I feel like it's being danced around. Own the situation of what was different. with I understand you had different philosophies. I understand that you didn't want Press Taylor to be promoted. You didn't want to bring Corey Underland back as defensive coordinator. Look, I get it. I don't I don't disagree with the reason you fired Doug, but uh, a better explanation than just we had to go our separate ways yeah. is, is needed, and especially from your general manager right now. He it, helped yeah. for It's to come into this this team, who, again, a month ago, there was no even thought of Nick Sirianni with the Philadelphia Eagles. And for him coming to this team and answer questions like you said, that Howie should be answering about the quarterback situation because, Howie, you you created this. This was your making right now What's going on. It doesn't make sense. It's poorly, poorly ran. And I was frustrated by it. I yeah. am completely frustrated by it now. And a lot of people were like, when I put that out there, they're like, well, Howie might be, be getting fired next year. That's why I didn't talk. Folks, I don't understand why you keep selling yourself on this theory that Howie Roseman's getting fired. It's not happening. If Jeffrey Lurie fires Howie Roseman, he's firing himself because those two together are the Philadelphia Eagles front office process. So if he fires Howie, he's firing himself. And I don't see Jeffrey Lurie firing himself anytime soon. He's always going to be this involved with the team. So I don't understand why that thought is always in people's heads. It's not going to happen. Howie's here. Howie's here to stay. So – if you're going to be here to stay and you're going to work hand in hand with Nick Sirianni like when nobody expected you to, be up there with him. Explain, hey, a couple weeks ago, it was Doug and I sitting here virtually. Now it's Nick and I sitting here virtually because things have changed and this is why it has changed and this is what our plans are going forward. Give me some sort of direction, man. Because I have yeah. no idea what's going on with this team. I have no idea what's going on with your starting You're Either with the quarterback position.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I saw the, the same takes you saw as far as some fans saying, well, how he's going to get fired next year. It doesn't matter. But you know, look, first of all, you're right. There's no guarantee he will get fired. Chances are he won't get fired, but
0: people say that to me every year. Like uh, it's not going to happen, man.
2: And and what does that have to do with right now? I mean, I, you know, I want to know right now in the present day, what is happening with the quarterback situation. Um, And I don't care about next year. I mean, we have another year to get through and I know a lot of people might be writing off the 21 season and, and it, seems to me like maybe Jeffrey Lurie is doing that. Um, but you still have to play 16 games or 17 games, I guess it is, in, uh, next season. So I want to know what's going on now. I don't want to wait a year oh. until they go through a GM search potentially, which I don't think they will. I, give me give me Howie now and explain what happened. It almost feels like they're just trying to sweep everything under this big carpet and then stomp it down and hope it goes away. Um and it's going to get worse and it's going to fester. And, you know, here we are. We're still talking about it. It's almost February. You know, we really need to start looking at, you know, the draft and free agency first. And we don't know anything about what decisions are being made internally about the, the most important position on the
0: field. Which is a joke to me because you yeah. have J.B. Lurie out here sitting out and just admitting how passionate this fan base and how important this fan base is to him and this market, the sports market. You can't sweep stuff like this underneath the rug and not give your fans a better explanation. Like We demand these answers. I shouldn't have to rely on NFL insiders to know every little thing about what's going on with my team. Right. I should at least get 50% of the picture from them, the the dirty details, the, the stuff that happens behind closed doors. That's what I should be getting from my insiders. But I should be getting from my team is information of what's going on right now because they got a new head coach. They fired the Super Bowl winning head coach. Their quarterback situation is wide up in the air. They're not saying anything. I don't know. I don't know anything. I Look, th- and I know a lot of people kill, and I think you feel a little bit differently than I do about this too, about killing Carson, about him not talking or coming out and speaking. How can he though, Ed? This team doesn't give him – this team's not helping. Like there's nobody's – nobody's given the direct direction. It's clear to me. That they're trying to fix Carson Wentz. That's the goal. They don't want to move on. I don't think they want to trade Carson Wentz. I don't think that's an option right now. But I do think at the end of the day, if it was an honest take from Carson Wentz and you sat him down in a room and he got to be completely honest with you and Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman and everybody involved with making the Eagles decisions, he might say, I need to change the scenery. He might feel that way. Yeah. Thing is, I don't know because you keep, ta- you keeps, you keep saying like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna try to fix Carson or like we're we're letting all these Josina Andersons, Ian Rapports, uh, Mike Garofalo's, we're making all these guys make these reports for you or put words in your mouth for you, and then everybody else just jumps to these assumptions. Yeah, it's not right. I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't have to do this. We shouldn't have to be doing this. We should be discussing stuff that we know at hand instead of discussing hypotheticals.
2: Well, as far as Carson not speaking, yeah, I would like to hear from him. I would like to hear some honesty from Carson Wentz. You know, Come out and say it. Like, Deshaun Watson wasn't afraid to come out and say, I want out. Okay? He wants out. He took all his um, affiliations with the Houston Texans off his social media accounts. He's no longer Texans quarterback. And when I saw that, I went immediately to Carson's um, Twitter account, and I looked to make sure it still said, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, and it does. But, you know, my, I, and maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe his agents are giving him advice in this area, but, and I hope they are, but I would just like him to hear him come out and be honest. Come out and say, yeah, we, you know, it was a rough year, and I think I need to change the scenery. Or I want, I'm committed to this team. They paid me a lot of money to be the franchise quarterback, and I want to come back and be that guy. I mean, give us, Give us some honesty here. You know, give us something. If the team's not going to do it, you're a big boy. You're 28 years old now. Let's go. Let's hear from you. Let's hear what you have to say and put the organization in a position where now they have to kind of counter what you're saying. If you want out that bad, come out and say it. And then secondly, I'll say this about Nick Sirianni. When he was asked directly by Howard Eskin is Carson Wentz going to be back in 2021? And it was a total evasion of the answer by Nick Sirianni. He said, we're still evaluating. We're still evaluating. I can't say if he will be. Yet he had conversations with him. If he would have had a conversation where Carson would have said to him, yeah, Nick, I'm, I'm excited. I want to come back. I want to, I'm in, I want to dive into your offense, and I want to be better than I was last year. You would think that Nick would have said that had that been the conversation they had. So now you're led to believe, well, he had this conversation with, Carson, and if it went well, you would think he would say something. If it didn't go well, he wouldn't say anything, and he didn't say anything. So, to me, all indications are Carson wants out. So let's hear somebody come out and say Carson wants out. And the one person that has to do that is Carson himself.
0: That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I I did take. I was going to say I take my takeaway from that press conference, other than uh, what everybody's going on about his nerves and everything, is that he failed to commit to Carson Wentz like he even failed to commit to his status being on the team right I think that was interesting because when Doug came in it was Bradford's a part of this team right now like we're, he did say we're still evaluating but he he sort of made of uh, an impression like hey Sam Bradford's here I'm excited to work with Sam Bradford and like I thought we all knew at the time like hey new head coach the running might be on the wall for Sam Bradford I mean at least some of us did uh but still, Doug came out and at least talked about it. Nick says, "I don't know. We don't. We're not. We're still evaluating." Yeah, that all. Like,
2: yeah. Doug, Doug was like, and if I remember correctly, you know Carson was third string. You know he came out and and he even alluded that Carson may not even be active on game days. Oh no,
0: no. no. So I'm talking about when Doug was hired though. His introductory press no. conference. He's 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 talking about Sam Bradford as he's a part of the team. There's nothing. that There's no part of. I got your, it. He might not be on the team this year. There's nothing like that when he was coming in. He was talking about uh, working with Sam Bradford. and Because that's what the question was then when Doug came in. Is Sam going to be your starting quarterback? And now we're asking Nick, is Carson going to be your starting quarterback? And, again, he, he, the answers were different. It, it felt different, too. And I, I, I read into that, too, a little bit. I was like, wow, they really don't know. They, they don't know as much as we don't know.
2: And, again, he said, I had a conversation with Carson. Okay. And he doesn't want to give us any – he wants to keep him private. Right. But and I think is a
0: private no matter what. Because if you do decide to trade him or if the conversation is, if you're trying to fix that relationship and you don't know if it's fixable yet, I think you do have to keep that approach just in case. Hey, if we do end up having to trade him, don't bite my head off when it happens and say, Nick Sirianni's already a liar. Like Nick Sirianni, because that's what he's being called weirdly. Well, and already.
2: again, he's, he, you could tell he's just being told what to say and what to exactly. do. Yeah, he like, was prepped that, for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: and that's why they hired him because you know they can keep him under the thumb. I'm sure he was coached in the in these five to seven days when he was hired to go out there and be as vague as you can about Carson. You can say you talk to him, but don't say that he's going to be our quarterback. Don't say we're going to trade him. Don't say anything. You know, tell him you're we're still evaluating it. You know, I could certainly see that conversation that's going. That's exactly on. what happened, and you know it as a as I, not, I, as I, as I, Nick Suriani and you shouldn't you know, think that it's Nick Sirianni just flat out lying. It's what Nick Sirianni was told to do because Jeffrey and Howie, that's what they want. They want a coach who's going to say what they want him to say. And that's exactly what he did.
0: I think at least the one difference is between what their, their approach with Nick Sirianni and their differences, their approach with Doug Peterson is they never trusted Doug. There was no trust when they first hired him. He was the third choice of what they wanted. Uh, they, other than Frank Reich, they picked his coaching staff because Frank Reich and Doug Peterson had, a t- had that strong relationship before either one came to the Eagles. So that was really a Doug pick. But other than that, they built up his coaching staff. Uh, they didn't trust him to make these decisions, and when they did finally give him some leeway into those decisions, they yanked it away as quickly as they possibly could. So with Nick, he comes in here, and I, you can't put your finger on other than Jeff Stoutland, any, any, any. Coaching hire that the Eagles have their hand in on, maybe Brian Johnson because the Florida connections with Howie Roseman. But other than that, I mean, it, it looks like they let Nick. Hey Nick, you have a lot of connections in this league. Bring us, bring us a paper. Bring write up who you want to bring. Explain why to us and sell them on. Sell us to us, and we'll listen and we'll 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 do it your way. Um, now I don't know how long the leash will be with these potential, this offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all these hirings, uh, because Frank Wright's leash was really short and that was a doug pick and they wanted to fire him after the first year so they again they proved how much they did not trust doug in the coaching decisions but they're giving nick a little bit more leeway i think that is interesting
2: yeah well i think they're trying to make him feel as comfortable as he possibly can with who you know the coaches he's going to surround himself with he's a you know he's a young coach um you know 39 years old he's got a history of having been with teams Doug never really had that history
0: right. he was always um, behind yeah. any yeah
2: yeah I mean he you know he was in Philly for a couple of years as a as an assistant and then he went to Kansas City you know but but Nick's been to Kansas City he's been to San Diego he's been in Indianapolis I mean he's got you different know staff. he's been on different staffs yeah he's, absolutely That's he's a, on different staffs so he knows more people and you know so if you're comfortable with him picking guys he's comfortable with then go ahead and let him but you're right i don't know how long of a leash you know gannon or Steichen will have if you know they're scoring 15 points a game and giving up 30 points a game in the first year yeah. even knowing that you know the expectation for 21 i don't think is very high at this point um you know i'd be surprised to see how many national games they get i mean i know there's still a great market for you know, drawing audiences into, you know, into TV ratings. But oh,
0: if they go into this season with those both those quarterbacks on the roster, they will be getting prime time. They,
2: games. they will be, yeah, probably. No, I mean it's going to be interesting if Carson comes back. Then what does Nick do? I mean, he didn't commit to even having a, a open competition. I mean, he committed to nothing as far as the quarterback
0: situation goes, and. That's because of the Howie and Jeffrey died. They, they definitely said, Hey, whatever, as minimal as you could say about the quarterback position, the better. Yeah. yeah. And, and it Just go out there. Yeah. they did not prep him well at all.
2: No, he I, wasn't prepped. But, And the fact that he had to go out there and answer questions that a general manager should have to answer. Uh, to me, was sort of criminal to be honest with you.
0: I know that people can, and I was quickly to say it to two, because I know we're going back to this point again, but, uh, I look at other organizations that had that announced their head coaches and uh, had these like introductory press conferences, and the GM is either sitting next to them or somehow involved. Uh, I know Howie's first time around with Doug. I think why he wasn't there then was because he was just getting his job back, and people were, I mean, Lurie got killed for it for Howie getting his job back during that, that opening presser. So I think keeping Howie away from that one was more. Managed to help Howie out than it was anything else, but this time around he should have been there. He should yeah. have been there. I mean, he his job status is, is firm. Uh, he's staying. I I think he can have I know a lot of people want his job gone, but I think mean, he has he had a better argument to keep his job than Dick Peterson did. I don't believe that. So, uh,
2: you know, it, it, it's funny with Peterson though. Like this is like his parting gift is this quarterback controversy. You know, this is what he's dropped into the right. Eagles' laps. Uh, over the final month of the season, you know, so like, you know, if the Eagles always uh, I mean, to do how he put him in
0: that position, well, I mean, it was his decision to to bench. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, Jaylen. he's not benching Carson once for Nate Suckville, though. Oh, in the last game, you mean? No, I mean, if if Jalen Hurts isn't on this team, oh, yeah, he- I like well, what you're saying,
2: right? So, yeah, Jalen's presence kind of forced that hand. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, probably not. But who knows? I mean, you're right. Who, but listen, Doug, it's funny because he was told what to do for the five years he was here, and then now he's having kind of the last laugh by putting the organization in this position. Well, they they kind of put him. Uh, I know. I, I understand what you're saying. How he right. put him in that situation. Not only
0: that. Not only that. I think that quarterbacks, because you're right, and I mean, you reported it anyways. It was Doug's decision to bench Carson for Jalen, but. He got the okay from Howie and Jeffrey to do it. And they're like, hey, you know what? You can die and live or die with that pick. We didn't do it. Right. That's what they're doing now. It was like, it wasn't us. We fired the guy who did that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think it's funny that now Doug is, is seeing what's happening. And it's all because of what he decided to do. I know they took Jalen Hurts and put him in this situation. But he was there. So he said, let's, let's give it a try and we'll see. And now here we are, we're still talking about it, and the organization doesn't want to give us any clue what they're doing about it. And Carson, to me, it, you know, a lot of it's on Carson too. He has to say something. If he wants to come out and be honest and transparent, come out and tell us something. You know, Say either, I want to be traded or I want to come back. I mean, there's no middle ground.
0: I know uh, you wrote a story on it too, and I'm, we're all picking up on it now, but I just wanted to play. Uh, what Malcolm Jenkins said on the rich Eisen and so I thought was incredibly honest I, I a lot of people a lot of fans aren't happy with it and I mean they it's always funny when these former players leave and they say something bad or they do like some kind of like say some kind of negative remark we hate them we just hate them because they did that but I thought listening to it I'm like you know what I I, I agree and I mean this guy was in the locker room I, I I'm listening to this and I think this is completely true. I thought this from afar and now I'm having somebody that was actually a part of the situation uh, reaffirm how I felt. So real quick, I am want to play what Malcolm Jacobs said to Rich Eisen about the situation with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia.
1: Eagles, you do, however, have quite a unique perspective and one more follow-up on this. I- is there an issue with Wentz in that locker room? We keep on hearing about it. You were there when there was a a magazine article locally that came out said there was a big problem with Wentz and players in that locker room. Is, is there a, an issue? Is there any there there about Carson Wentz that you can share with us, Malcolm? Well, I think, you know, as a, as a teammate in friend of Carson's, I, I, I think that, you know, it always starts right with performance. And he hadn't performed up to, uh, I think, the expectations that everybody's had for him. And, and I don't think he would say he played up to his own expectations. Um, but some of the other issues that I felt, you know, when I was in the locker room it was just that, you know, th- there was just too much um, leeway. Um, and it didn't make him a better player. I don't think they did him any favors by, you know, trying to kind of uh, protect his ego or trying to, um, you know, just, just really protect him as a player as opposed to, it, keeping it, just like every other player, it's like keeping it performance-based and and, and really being, you know, real about what he needed to improve on, but also adjusting to to put him in places that, you know, that that, are, that can make him successful. And I think, you know, that's a little bit on the coaching side. That's also some honest on the player. Like, every player go, should go into every offseason evaluating what they did well, what they didn't do well, and you look to see improvement year after year. Um, but if if, if that's not the case and you don't see it and there are no changes and it's not being addressed, then I know like as a player, you almost feel like, you know, what are we doing? You know, you to do the same thing over and over again, um, expecting different results is insanity.
0: So I thought that was interesting because I, we always say that uh, we think that there's not accountability. There's always an accountability issue with the Eagles. And I do think it starts with the quarterback. I, I I Look, I love Carson. I believe in his ability as much as everybody else does. But uh, when he struggles or he fails up until the point where they benched him for Jalen Hurts, it was a lot of leeway, like Malcolm's saying. I think there was a lot of like, we'll work this out. We'll fix this, you know. Uh, and it doesn't help Carson out as a player. And I, I would agree that, that it went that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly Jenkins would know. I mean, he, he would know better than anybody. And there's one thing Malcolm has always been, at least in my eyes, is, is honest. Even when he was here, you know, you would talk to Malcolm about his contract. He would honestly answer it. Um, you know, and this is an honest, an honest take. I mean, they gave him too much leeway. You know, they they protected him. They protected his ego to the point where he wasn't being judged on his performance and and his practice habits probably as well, um, because that's all about performance. And Carson just never. It almost sounds like Carson never tried to improve and get better and correct the things that. He needed to correct, Um, you know, that I, you know, listen, Malcolm knows because he was in that locker room. He was there when the Eagles drafted him in 2016. And what he says makes an awful lot of sense. And it just further confirms what we all know is Carson wasn't held accountable for his performance, probably in practice, certainly in games. uh, And that showed, you know, Carson maybe got a little lazy, a little more secure. And the result was he never got any better. And then when things started to spiral, he tried to do things his way. The Eagles tried to protect that. And now look at the situation we're in now. Now you bring in, have to bring in a new coach, a new staff that you hope can kind of work with him and that he'll listen to. We're not even sure he wants to listen to this new staff. I don't think he does. I think he wants to change the scenery. But who's to say this isn't going to happen again somewhere else? If he's this resistant to you know, being told what to do because he's got this fragile ego that he's afraid it's going to get hurt – uh, then he's not going to get any better. And you're going to get the same Carson that we saw this past year, no matter where he goes, whether it's back here, or whether it's Indianapolis or, you know, Pittsburgh or, you know, name any destination that's looking for kind of a quarterback. Uh, we're just not going to see it. It all starts with Carson, like you said. He's got to have the mindset that I need to listen to my coaches because they know what they're talking about. They get paid to know what they're talking about. Uh, and, and you hope that his ego doesn't get in the way this fragile ego that apparently he has.
0: Right. And I mean, I can, you know, jump on Carson's side for some of it because I do think, and I've felt this way the last couple of years, Doug Pearson has failed as a play caller. He hasn't been the best play caller that he could possibly be. And I do think once there, that's a frustration point. I think there is definitely a frustration point there with Carson. Uh, And he's like, fine, I'll, on my way is not working. I'll do it your way finally. And it just kept getting worse. So then they make the benching for Jalen Hurts and all that stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of us are defending Carson Wentz and jumping to his aid and knowing the quarterback that he, he's shown that he can be, and we all believe in him. It's just this is on the player now. The Eagles did their part. The Eagles got a new staff. Every excuse, I, like, and I said this last episode, I still believe it to this day. The Eagles did right by Carson now. They've done everything they need to do. They paid him. Yep. They brought in a new staff because he was tired of the old staff. Uh, it's it's your turn now, bud. This is on you to fix. We got the guys in here. We think if you wanted a Frank Reich, we got your Frank Reich Jr. If you want new wide receivers, we'll continue to bring new wide receivers, and we dropped we dropped with a bunch of speed for your deep ball that you, you wanted to unleash. You need to answer to us now. You need to step up, and – if his answer to all this is still trade me, he's not the guy that we thought he was, folks. I'm sorry. I, I again, do I think a change of scenery could benefit him? Absolutely. I, I, I with Jalen Hurts always looking over your shoulder because I don't think the Eagles are going to trade him, and they obviously think highly of Jalen Hurts because Harry Roseman himself said, "I can't pass on the next Russell Wilson." And if he believes he's the next Russell Wilson, then they got a better quarterback than they do with their starting quarterback. Yeah. But,
2: yeah, I mean, it changes. He needs more than a change of scenery. I think he needs to just change his mindset and understand on that. You on
0: know? the player now. I, I, that's exactly what I'm yeah. alluding to. This is on the player now. This is more right, than. A exactly. of this is, if you want to be competitive, look, wherever he goes, that doesn't elude that. That doesn't stop the other team from adding another quarterback. His injury history is real. Every team's going to consider it the same way the Philadelphia Eagles do. They're going to want to have an insurance policy, no matter what, when Carson Wentz is their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they go in to every situation. And fear the backup now? Or like at least have look over your shoulder towards the backup? Because there's going to be a talented backup behind you, bud. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. Yeah, the only year it didn't happen was 2019. And then you prove to them why they're going to need one again. And I'm not again, his, his injury is not his fault. What happened with Giovanni and Clowney was not his fault. But still, he had to leave the game. And the Eagles were in a bad position because their backup quarterback fell apart on that football field that day. So they went out and they, they put a priority to draft – a backup quarterback, have a talented backup quarterback, and they did that in the second round. Your next situation, whether it's Indianapolis, wherever you go, they're going to add to the quarterback room because of your history. So put yeah. that aside, no matter, so like you said, change of scenery doesn't matter. It's your mindset. He needs to come back from this. He needs to realize this is competition. Uh, yes, Jalen Hurts is here, but at the end of the day, I think many people and I think many talent evaluators around this league believe you're better than Jalen Hurts, that you can be a better player than Jalen Hurts, better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Go out there and prove it. Go out there and do it. Honor the contract. And I mean, I play for the team that drafted you because every player wants to play for the team that drafted them. They're the ones who gave you a chance. They gave you that chance and then they gave you another chance. They gave you the huge contract. You can play for us. You can, you can be a Philadelphia Eagle course for once, but you have to change your mindset. You have to come in here, like you said, change your mindset, play better, and hey, listen to the coaching, because Nick Sirianni might be inexperienced, but he's dealt with a lot of quarterbacks. He's dealt with quarterbacks that failed. He's dealt with quarterbacks that really did well outside of the expectations with Philip Rivers. He's dealt with Andrew Luck. So he's dealt with all talent, and then not only that, he schemes receivers, He's got to be scheming for your receivers. He's going to put a, at least a friendly offense around his quarterback. Uh, and if you can go go like, look, listen to our last episode, we went down a list of receivers that nobody even, some of them people haven't even heard of, that Nick Sirianni's been a part of on staff, and they've been successful. So if I'm, look, if I'm Carson right now, and I'm thinking I want to have talented receivers, I want to have a talented passing game, then look no further than what the Eagles just did when they hired Nick Sirianni, because that's what he's been a part of. It's what he's got production out of is the wide receivers. So, again, just to go on to this point, just to end this point real quick, he's got to change his mindset. He's got it. I want to see Carson Wentz succeed with Philadelphia Eagles. I do. The fan in me wants to. Do I think removing the fan hat and looking from a football perspective at the end of the day, the situation would be better for both part of the team and player to go separate ways? Perhaps, yeah. I do feel that way. But... The Eagles don't have a better option at quarterback right now. It's just not. No matter because Trevor Lawrence is going number one, no matter what. Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, at their best, is not better than Carson Wentz. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I really don't. Your best option is fixing Carson Wentz and having Carson Wentz prove to you what he was before. Uh, and you can easily get that. It was only one season away, Ed. It's only yeah. one season away. I thought he played great in 2019. His head's up right now. He's in the wrong place mentally. The way to get him into a good place mentally is say, my name is Nick Sirianni. I have no affiliation to Jalen Hurts. I did not draft Jalen Hurts. I did not play Jalen Hurts over you. Things are different now. We are going to go in this direction. I was brought here to work with you. I'm going to work with you. We are going to make this work. And... You see that 2017 film, 2018, 2019 film you put out there? We're going to do that, but we're going to do that even better. Yes. Stop the noise in your head. Stop listening to what the tabloids are saying. Stop listening to everything off the field. They don't control your future, sir. I do. I am now in control of your future. We're going to make this work, and this is what we're going to do, and you need to meet your part because I'm already working on meeting my part. And if Carson can't do that, Then Carson Wentz is not the quarterback that the Philadelphia Eagles fans on social media believe that he is. That's just it. That's it at the end of the day. That's the situation. And if he can't, if he's, if he does not want to do that with Nick Sirianni, with all the changes coming in, with all the commitments that have been made to him, I'm sorry. Separate it. Do the trade. Do whatever you got to do. Jeffrey Lurie, take the negative, negative cap hit that you hate taking because the quarterback that you thought you had. Is not who you thought you had, and it's time to move on and find the quarterback that you do want that you do believe can be like that.
2: Sounds so simple, doesn't it? it
0: sounds so simple, and I don't know why you have to overcomplicate it because you're yeah. dealing with delicate egos. Yeah, do you think Bill Belichick gets a crap about delicate egos? Do you think Tom Brady cares about delicate egos? Do you think he cares about what people thought about him leaving New England to win a Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl again? He didn't care in this sport. There is no room for egos. There is no room for feelings. It's a business. Right. If I'm Carson Wentz, I'm thinking, you know what? The Eagles screwed me. You know How he drafted a backup quarterback now that the fans want. Uh, this These fans cheer for Nick Foles every time they get on the field and fail. They want Foles back. Or now they're going to want Hurts in. You know what? I should go out there, light it up, shut them up, and say, stick it to you. Now you got to believe in me. Instead of saying woo me because I was the second overall pick and they gave me all this money. And I'm not saying he's doing that, but I'm saying we're enabling that. Jeffrey Lurie, Harry Roseman, the fans were enabling that behavior. What he should be doing is going out there and saying, I'm better than Jalen. I was better than Nick Foles. This team picked me because of those reasons. I'm going to show you why right now. Instead of woo me. I can't do that. I, that, especially for the quarterback position, because no player in that locker room is going to respect that. I know Fletcher Cox and him are best friends. I know Brandon Graham has a great relationship with Carson Wentz. I know the defense lo- guys on defense love him. But when Jalen Hurts went out there and made plays and was exciting, Greg Ward picked up his game a little bit more. Miles Sanders picked up his game a little bit more. Jalen Rager picked up his game a little bit more. Things started getting a little bit better when Jalen was out there because he was exciting and he was making things happen that – Carson wasn't making at the time of his struggles. So if I'm Carson Wentz and you want to go buy those guys back in that you play with, that you actually throw the football to, that you're with every snap, go out there and dominate. Be the Carson Wentz that you know you can be. Let all the the off-the-field stuff, all the stuff that's in your head, all the mental stuff holding you back, let it go. It's over with now. It's completely over with. This new staff doesn't have, I mean, besides Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach they hired, doesn't have a lick clue of what Jalen Hurts can do in their offense. Their offense isn't really, I don't believe that their systems that they're implementing fit Jalen Hurts. They fit Carson Wentz. And Carson should know that. So this team just set set the situation up to put it all around you. Uh, They paid you. You believe you can be this good, this talented quarterback. The fans still believe that you can be this talented quarterback. So just go out there and do it, man. Put all this stuff behind you. And if you can go out there and play to that level and you still don't get the respect from the fans or from – or you still feel this type of way. You still feel like, hey, Jalen's here. I feel like this franchise is disrespecting me. Then go ahead. Go go about it. Because it, it's different what Deshaun Watson is doing. Deshaun Watson will go out there and still play – played some of his best football last year on the, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Individually, Deshaun played incredibly well. Yep. Matthew Stafford individually plays incredibly well on a bad Detroit team. And they wanted to move on finally. And those teams, I mean, Detroit granted Matthew Stafford's uh, request because he's right. And Houston might end up having to request, I mean, having to accept Deshaun's request because, you know, he's right. So at some point in time, if this does happen and Carson does play extremely well and they do have to still separate ways, it's going to come to the point where he's right too. So he's not right yet in this situation. The only way he can be right if, if he wants to leave Philadelphia is that he played well and that we still gave had these conversations about Jalen or we still thought about the guy behind him or the next quarterback, and he's doing all this, but he's playing at the level that Sean has been playing at, he's playing at the level Matthew Savage has been playing at, then yes, we should let you go because we don't deserve you at this point. But right now, you deserve this situation because of how poorly you played in 2020. Go out there and play better. That's all I'm asking for because they did their part to make you play, to put a situation for you to play better. So now it's your time to do your part. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, and maybe Nick Sirianni said all that. Maybe he did say to Carson, "Listen, you know, you're my guy, or not. You're my guy, but you're the guy that I've been charged with working with. I didn't draft Jalen Hurts. I wasn't here last year. This is a new chapter, a new page, uh, and let's do this together. And we'll see where it goes." But for some reason, it doesn't seem like Carson's either come to grips with that yet, or he's still thinking about that. I don't know what he's waiting for. But if he wants out, he needs to come and say, "I want out."
0: And I understand if he does want out. I get. Like I'm not saying he's wrong for not wanting that. I just believe. Look, they did everything pointed in the direction of wanting to be with you. They're committing to you. You should. I think you should commit a little bit back because of the changes that they made. See, I'm I'm,
2: I'm kind of different. I don't think. I'm not okay with him wanting to get out because of what they did to him, because of what they paid him. You know, I know it's a whole different level, but if someone paid me 128 million, I would certainly want to do my very best for them, right? What the circumstances were, understanding that this is a business, things change. I need to constantly evolve and get better myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to me, if he doesn't accept that and still wants out, that that's just not like you said. It's not a Carson isn't the type of person that we thought he was. And what people think he is on social media because to me I don't I think that's where his head should be is I want to come back to this organization that traded up twice to pick me that's paying, you know, making me and generations of That
0: always that picks me. That always picks me at the end of the day because they chose their super winning quarterback, super me, winning quarterback.
2: I just don't they- understand the hesitation on his part to do that. I really don't. And maybe there's more to it that we're not seeing and this and that, but I I don't really feel like he should be looking to get out. I think he should be looking the man up and accept the changes they want him to make, and he should be ready to make those changes. But
0: you know, who knows?
2: Who knows? I agree with you.
0: I just think he's a part of a town that always talks about the backup quarterback when they should be talking about the starting quarterback, and no starting quarterbacks do that though. He's going to go be some hired
2: gunslinger in some other city, and who's to say that you know the backup quarterback isn't the backup quarterback's the most popular guy on any team in any city, in my opinion.
0: Oh, I agree with you. I, I'm full agreement with you on that. But I'm thinking if that if if his thinking is to get off this team, it's because of all – he's the, the quarterback of quarterbacks always get talked about over him. So, so that would be a challenge to say that, like you said. And I agree. Right. I, I, I'm fully on board with that. But I'm uh, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and trying to make some kind of sense of the situation that I don't agree with still. Because yeah. I, I, I just don't know. Maybe he does want to be here, though. Maybe he does want to go out and, and – let, Let us, know. us know. I get it. Let us know.
2: And engender and, and some goodwill because right now it's going to be awfully hard if he doesn't say the right words when he comes back to line up behind center and have this town accept him. They'll always be talking about Nick Foles and Jalen Hurts if he doesn't do that. They still might even if he comes out and says all the right things. But if he wants to be here, then then tell us he wants to be here. Say all the right things. that They're paying me the money. They moved up to draft me. Um and hope that that kind of soothes some of the feelings of some of these fans right now that are are anti-Carson Wentz. And it's a growing number, I'll tell you that. I mean, I know there's a loyal uh, fan base to him, but it's a growing number of fans. They're going to have a hard time accepting him coming back if nothing is said. And all of a sudden, they're paying him his $10 million bonus, you know, three days after the league year starts in March. And he's back on this team in OTAs and minicamp. Uh, without anything being said, I I would find that hard to believe that it would happen that way. I think something would need to be said because he's got a lot of fences to mend if he returns.
0: I agree. I I completely agree. And I feel like if you're a player on this team who's fighting for your job, or like if you're like an Alex Singleton who uh had no opportunities, had to force his way to get an opportunity and proved he deserved it. If you if you're Jordan Mulata, if you're if if you're Boston Scott, and you're scr- scratching through just to get an opportunity and prove that you do deserve to be here. And you're watching the treatment of Carson Wentz on this team. It's a bad message to send in the locker room. It yep. is like, Hey, you have to fight for your job, but he doesn't because we paid him and we draft, we trade up the, you know, like, that's right. not a good, that's not a good message to send. So I do agree with you. I think at some point Carson has to own the situation and say, I want to be the leader of this team. I want to be the franchise quarterback because these other players are – it's not just the fans who need to hear it. It's not just – I mean, ownership probably doesn't care. Front office doesn't care. But, I mean, these players need to hear it too. They need – not only that, what about the players that are going to be coming into this team that don't know anything about this situation, like the free agents that want to sign here or the, or the, the draft picks? Like, there needs to be some kind of vocal leadership on this team, and it, and it shouldn't be from Fletcher Cox. It shouldn't be from Brandon Graham. It should be from your franchise quarterback. Yep. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. But, Ed – before we end up the episode, man, I need to get some of your thoughts on this coaching staff picks. Because I know we talked about uh, Jonathan Gannon last time, and I, I was a fan of that pick. I think that's going to be a really good uh, hiring. And, I mean, shout out to Adam Kaplan in the, for his take on for him on the inside of the birds. Because apparently he asked around the league. And uh, some people pegged Jonathan Gannon as the next Brandon Staley uh, to be the up-and-coming defensive mind. Maybe the next thing is the head coach. Uh, that's exciting. But the big thing I liked about Jonathan Yandhire is, and the hires that they're making, it, it looks like they're they're focusing on certain position groups. Like this, Jonathan Gannon excelled with the de- defensive backs. The Eagles have struggled with defensive backs, so that's a great hire off the books for me right there. Uh, Shane, uh, St- what was it again? Shane Steichen,
2: Steichen, I believe. Yeah,
0: Steichen, Steichen, the offensive coordinator they hired. Uh yep. You know, uh, you can give credit to Pep Hamilton. You can give credit to Anthony Lynn, which I wouldn't, uh, but you also have to put chain in there for the conversation of what ha- what happened with justin herbert last year i mean look what justin herbert was at oregon and look what he became with los angeles chargers because at oregon i was questioning him big time uh they didn't have enough talent around him and it showed uh they didn't have an off the best offensive line around him at all times throughout his career and it showed he goes to los angeles and again this team does not have a t- this team didn't have any offensive line talent uh besides trey turner this team didn't have outside of Keenan Allen much contributors at wide receiver. Hunter Henry kept getting injured. Mike Williams was always injured, but he still had one of the best—I mean, if not really the best—rookie quarterback season of all time. And Shane had his hand in that. And they had guys throughout the years that did have injuries. They had wide receivers like Joe Reed, uh, the Guyton kid, step up that you, you, people would never heard of. And Justin Herbert was going off with of these guys. So when you look at making these hires, you're looking at a guy who had a rookie quarterback that nobody expected anything of and an offense that nobody expected much out of from a quarterback that was looked completely washed, leave, who's been there for years, and that offense explodes with that rookie quarterback. So you bring that in and you say, how can you implement that with the Philadelphia Eagles with their struggling quarterback? Because at one point, I guess, I mean, I know it's a different level of football, but at one point, Justin Herbert was struggling, and then you brought him into the NFL and you involved him into being one of these quarter... I mean, he looks like one of the best quarterbacks of our future now. How can you do that with Carson Wentz who's struggling? How can you fix our struggling DBs who, outside Darius Slate, we can't figure out at all? That's what I like about these hires so far, Ed. And Brian Johnson, too. I mean, he, given his ties to Jalen Hurts, that's fine. But, I mean, he's gone to situations and he's evolved the quarterback play and he's a former quarterback himself. So, I love that hire, Brian Johnson. That was one that I was really big on. But yeah. what do you think about these hires so far of this coaching staff, Ed?
2: Well, just to follow up on your Brian Johnson point, he's probably the one I'm most excited about. Um, You know, 33-year-old former quarterback um, who had a really good career in college at the University of Utah um, behind Alex Smith his first year, and then he finished with the most wins in Utah history as a quarterback, 26 of them. Uh, But he's 33 years old, and already he's the offensive coordinator for a Florida offense that... To me, has four very talented players. Kyle Trask, he helped develop uh, into uh, you know a top uh, first I was
0: a little quarterback because before he wasn't. Who knows?
2: But he developed Kyle Trask. He saw Kyle Pitts, you know, the top tight end that's ranked in this class, who you can w- line up as a receiver because they lined him up everywhere at Florida, and that's that is probably a credit to Brian Johnson. You know, he has two very good receivers in Trayvon Grimes and Kadarius Tony that are going to get drafted. I mean, he, to me, he is something to be excited about. And I think he'll be more than just a quarterback coach. I hope, I hope he has a heavy hand in the game planning. And, um, Sirianni sort of alluded to that, that, you know, he, he's a guy that brings some college, um, schemes to us that we can implement. Um, so I really like this hire of Brian Johnson. And to the me, first,
0: the first three important hires of this team were to get the head coach that would fit Carson Wentz, or to at least make an offense around Carson Wentz better and they, they felt like they'd done that. The second most important hire was defensive coordinator and fiction in the secondary because it's been decades the secondary's been broken. The third most important hire was quarterback coach. I do think that they, made, they knocked this one out of the park with Brian Johnson.
2: I think so. I think he's a guy that could be on the rise, um, could be an offensive coordinator in the NFL at some point. Oh, yeah. Very Absolutely. soon. Uh, so I love that hire.
0: And I, and I, I think from this too is uh, a lot of people look at it as a as a negative counterpoint, but I think having experience with both quarterbacks—I mean, excuse me—at least having some knowledge of Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. and, and then also coaching a pocket passing quarterback, I think that's important because we still don't know what the direction the Eagles are going to go in. So at least you know this coaching hire right there—he's yeah. uh, going to work with either quarterback and get the best out of him either way. You would hope.
2: Yeah, I I really like the hire. You know, I mean, you could have said you could have made him the offensive coordinator, but I think what Sirianni wanted to do and what the Eagles allowed him to do, Howie and Jeffrey, uh, was to bring in guys that he's familiar with. Um, and clearly, he's familiar with Steichen from his days in San Diego, well, now Los Angeles, but the Chargers. Um, he's obviously familiar with Jonathan Gannon. Um, having spent the last three years on the staff together with Frank Reich. Um, so he's bringing in familiar, familiarity as some of his key lieutenants. Um, and that's, you know, that that's a good thing. The fact that it's kind of a young staff is a concern, an untested staff um, is a big concern. I mean, there's going to be growing pains. There's no doubt. There's not going to be that senior lieutenant that Nick can turn to and, and ask for some counsel, of some situations that maybe he's been through
0: because he's been in
2: the game longer. Um,
0: yeah. You know, the Eagles love hiring these offensive consultants. I would not. And I know we, we brought him up as a, as a choice for offense coordinator, but you know, if you want to bring in morning, morning when he gets an offensive consultant, you want to bring in the as a consultant, why would you not at least bark up the Jim Caldwell tree?
2: Yeah, and you don't want to muddy the waters, but I think you should bring in someone to kind of be kind of that ear that uh, Nick can turn to when things get tough, um, who can be a part of the game planning, can help mold it, shape it. Um, And yeah, Jim Caldwell would be great. I was a little surprised that he was in the mix to be the head coach of the Texans. You know, at 66 years old, I kind of thought maybe he had not had any more interest in being a head coach, but clearly that's not the case. But, you know, Jim's been out of the game now, I think, for a couple of years. It would certainly make sense to bring him in um, to Philadelphia. Yeah, work with the Dolphins. Yeah,
0: maybe he did some work with the I mean, Dolphins. It was like the same thing like Marty Mortywick did with the Eagles this past year. So that's yeah, why I'm. Yeah, to- they let Morty
2: go. I mean, he's not going to come back.
0: Perfect. I like that, though. That was a, I wouldn't have wanted him back, anyways. I, I was really frustrated that they brought him back in the first place. But, but uh,
2: there are guys out there that could be the senior offensive consultant that he could – There's nothing wrong with that. Look to, no, I don't think so. Um, but that that's the one concern I have. But as far as the staff goes, you know, he brought in an experienced D-line coach, Tracy Rocker, um, you know, and that's really the linchpin of that uh, Eagles team is the defensive line. So Rocker I think was a good hire. He's in his 50s. And then on the offensive side, the offensive line, obviously bringing back Jeff Stoutland, Terrific move. Really the only guy they're bringing back um,
0: from the old staff, you know. Um the only guy that deserved to be he brought it back, in my opinion. What's that? He was the only guy that deserved to be brought back, in my yeah. opinion. I think they had to go different. I think the mutual party with Deuce Staley was just so necessary. Yeah, for he sure. For both parties to stick around and, you know, keep getting passed over and over and not get opportunity. As much as Eagles fans hate to say it, they need a different look at running back. They need a different approach at running back.
2: Yep. I mean, they've got a lot of holes. There's no doubt. Um, But, uh, you know, and again, I think this is a staff that it is young and it can grow with an Eagles team that probably won't do much in 21 uh, in terms of
0: wins and losses. So you're going to get another couple high picks next year. These hirings, I'm glad you said that. I just want to interrupt real quick because these hirings scream to me, this rebuild's happening. Like we're going to grow with these guys. This roster is going to grow with these guys. It's not going to. Uh, compete with these guys. It's going to grow with these guys.
2: And these coaches are going to grow in each, um, uh, you know, as each year goes by and they don't make, you know, they're going to make mistakes. You know, there's going to be some questionable things. Everybody's going to question in Philadelphia because it's Philadelphia. Um, But you hope that as the talent on the team grows, that the coaches grow as well. And they learn some lessons from some of the decisions that they make that might be wrong during the games or at practice, whatever. You hope that they iron these things out as the roster is ironing things out, and then, you know, in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three, boom, you're ready to hit the ground running. You have an experienced staff now. You have an experienced roster, and now we're ready to compete again for a Super Bowl.
0: Right. It, it really is just like twenty sixteen. It really. I mean, it, besides the your your young quarterback at this point, it's a completely different situation than quarterback. But I mean, Doug. After that season, left a lot of people scratching their heads if he was the guy, yeah. if this was the right move. And I, I, I do believe it's going to happen again with Nick Sirianni. I think they're going to have that type of season again. It's I, again, this division is so winnable that anything can happen. And, uh, but if Washington finds that that quarterback, if they get their quarterback this off season, because uh, they were a part of that Matthew Stafford trade uh, interest, so if they get a Deshaun Watson or something at quarterback this off season, I am a little bit more afraid of Washington football team than I was than i am now yeah but uh this division is so winnable they could be in it in the mix i just think this is gonna be a year of growing pains it's gonna be a year of this team sitting back and uh figuring out who they are because again this is a team that's gonna have to find their identity all over again yeah i i don't expect immediate success that way i expect it to be a 2016 type season where they found out that yes there is The right way and the wrong way of doing it. These guys got some experience under their belts. Doug had a full year of play calling. Uh, Him, Frank, John D. Fliplo were starting to mess with Carson Wentz. They know they the experience with him is there now. They know what he can do, what he can't do. They know his limitations, what he can do, and and boom, blew up in 2017. That could happen again. It can easily happen again because wanna why Ed? This core talent of young of this core young talent that they have is is talented. I mean, Carson Wentz. If if him and Nick Sirianni get it right, that's a good thing, because he's still young, and you still got many years of him to go. So that's a good thing. Miles Sanders, criminally underused this year. Superstar in the making, I believe. I know a lot of people question if he can be a bell cow. I don't need to be a bell cow, because I can still tell you right now, with those 18 to 20 carries he can get, he's going to look like a Sean McCoy. The offensive line has some talent on it. There's some talent. Jordan Milano has something to build on. Andre Dillard still a young prospect. Uh, I I believe Wayne Johnson's back. Uh, I'm, who knows about center with Jason Kelsey? Who knows about Brandon Brooks right now? But
2: Nate Herbig, showed well. Uh, yeah, Jack looks it. like a keeper for the future.
0: Maybe Samo is still good. I think Sam is a good player. Yeah, yeah. You have some talent. You have potential with Folk, You have potential with Rager. But and look on the defense, Josh Sweat. That's a that's a player you can build around on your defensive line. Derek Barnett showed a lot this year. I thought that you can continue going forward with him. Javon Hargrave is still young. Like Alex Singleton's a young player. You yeah. have you just got to figure out in the secondary. You got to find that one young player in the secondary that you can h- hang your hat on because you don't have anybody right now.
2: And, and you look at the drafts that have gone on with that talent that's been drafted in the secondary at safety and some of these corners that are now in the league and doing well. Safety's, you know, Juan Thornhill in Kansas City. I mean, guys that are doing well. The Eagles could have had, and they just didn't draft them. Yeah, Jeremy
0: Chin would have been nice. Yeah, I mean, you could go through a whole list of guys. My point is, though, is that they have the core young talent in place that can grow with this coaching staff, and they just need more of it. They need to get more of it, and that's why this picks this number six pick is more important than it's ever been in years past for the Eagles. The first round pick,
2: and even the second round pick because it's going to be in the 30s, and then I think their third round pick is number 70, so you're going to get three players. Out of the top seventy in the country, um, that you know, you have to hit on. They have to be guys that can contribute. You can't spend it on a Davion Taylor in the third round who no. didn't do anything. Oh I mean, can't at all, that
0: can't happen again. <laughs> you, know, you need guys that can come in and impact twenty thirteen tight draft. They need to get Elaine Johnson and Zach Gertz with their first two picks.
2: Yeah, and they got Ben Logan in that
0: draft, who was a solid defensive tackle. I mean, it was a good draft. Jalen yeah, Mills in that draft, and he ended up being a solid starter for you for years. And so they need to have yeah. they need to have a 2016 type type draft because excuse me, a 2013 type draft because you need these core. I named some players for you, but those aren't enough. Like you need a core player in the secondary because that's a huge important position group on the field. You need a core wide receiver though. You need to hire a wide receiver you can hang your hat on. You need that number one. You do. It's a passing era league. You need it now. Yeah. I know everybody's going to argue the stats of what Super Bowls, who's uh, won Super Bowls with wide receivers and all that stuff, but it's still an era league where the wide receiver is dominating now and you need a wide receiver one to give Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts or whoever it's going to be. You still need that. Uh, but other than that, they do have core talent to build on that this young coaching staff can develop and go into 2022, 2023 and have that 2017 type season with. Yeah, you need to keep adding, and you need you need to hit that sixth pick and that second round pick out of the park. You yeah. need to, you have to. It's imperative that you do it now this year out of all years. But Ed, it's been great talking to you, man. It's been nine days again since we last recorded. It's insane. We usually been ironing these episodes out, but a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we'll, yeah. be, we'll be back soon. We'll be back recording soon. It's a fun off season with the Eagles news, man. We're gonna have a lot to talk about.
2: Yep, that's for sure. Thanks, Connor.
0: Okay. You can check out Ed's and John McMillan's. Or I was gonna say Ed in the episode when we were talking. Um, and you're talking about well, I'm held to some standard at my job, so should you. I was gonna say if John puts out like a week of great material, and he gets way more views than yours does, you can't just sit there and be like, well, I'm Ed. Like you know, I I've, start, I've been the number one in Sports Illustrated. Like I brought John here. Like I. You can't do that. You have to get better, right? You have to be like, well, what can I do better? Carson, do the same way, man. Hold Carson to the same standards you would hold Ed (laughs) to.
2: I'm not threatened by any of that, man. I mean, I welcome it. You know, I'm like, hey, if he's doing well, that makes me have to work harder to do well, too, and vice versa. And, you know, I just keep my head down, and I just keep doing my job and keep going forward. And, you know, really, that's the mentality I have. I know it's not, you know, you're not playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: I hope your quarterback would have that type of mentality. The I,
2: you would hope. I don't think he does. I hate to say it, but I don't know why. I kind of agree with you, to be honest with you.
0: And I hate to say it too, because I love Carson Wentz, and I believe in Carson Wentz, and I would. And I'm all. I don't trade Carson Wentz this off season. And I will say it every every week. I don't. The only way I trade him is if he looks Nick Sirianni dead in the eye after what I just said earlier in the episode and says, "I don't want to do this, still." Then I'm like, "All right, you got to get rid of him because he's not the player that you thought he was. He's not even the person you thought he was." Right. But, blended there, man. Again, check out Ed's and Johnny Mullins' articles on Eagles Sports Illustrated. Great coverage on these new hirings of these coaches. Everything going on with the Eagles right now. And we'll be back with Eagles Brawl. Again, check out our Twitch channel. Twitch.tv slash Eagles uh, Brawl. We're blown up on there. Uh, we're going to start posting more on there and just be exclusive Eagles Brawl radio content on there. So check us out on there as well. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
3: Appreciate it. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You could be sure with Meriwest Credit Union. As a credit union, Meriwest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. West Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you, with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at meriwest.com. And service? West takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and West's values just go together. Consider West today. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You could be sure with West Credit Union. As a credit union, West is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. West Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you, with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at meriwest.com. And service? West takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and West's values just go together. Consider Meriwest's.com.